Hello, you're listening to the Consequential Podcast. I'm Dave Convery. Here's Lucy. Sup, yo. Here's Roger. Hi. Today we're going to be talking about fantasy comics. Not Ooh. in the usual sense, but like sandals and swords and wizards and shit. Sandals? I assume that everyone's wearing sandals. They don't have real shoes in fantasy. You can't see, because Rob Liefeld drew the feet, but mm. I assume they're all wearing sandals. Sandal is plausible, I guess. I mean... Didn't expect the sandal digression yeah, to I begin so quickly. Not so fast. Can we move on? Roger, what are you reading? <laughs> Illustrated History of Sandals by... No. Um, Neil Gaiman. <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? Um, so, I've read a few... Fa- I've not read much this week. I've read a few fantasy things. Um, I read the second volume of Oshinbo. Which is the um, father-son cooking face-off manga you enjoyed so much. Yeah. Face-off in the sense of... It's, it's a competition, not in the sense of he cooked so well that the other one's face literally Which fell off. Flopped into the pan, just a, yeah. a flaccid mask. Like a horrifying into sort an of Benny Hanna accident yeah. where it fell directly onto the griddle. Yeah, that doesn't that happen. Doesn't happen. No. That doesn't happen. Well, I want to stress so that. I did watch a video today, though, of a man in Azerbaijan smashing watermelons open with his head. Why? Both versions. Because it was there. <laughs> Both versions. Um... No, um, so the second volume of Ocean Bow, uh, so I don't know how, the, British, the translated British collection is kind of excerpts, it's a best of effectively, and it's roughly in linear order, but I don't know to what extent it's representative that the kind of changes in direction of the plot are, are there, but the second volume is a lot less about the father-son fight and a lot more about Yamaoka just going up at the main journalist character, just sort of going about his um, daily business and like sort of schooling people about food. What is the food focus of this one? Uh, the, the volume is called Sake, and it's a collection of the ones mostly about drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, so volume one is like the intro, sort of... So there's setting, like setting a fish scene. one and like a noodle yeah, one. Yeah, and... there's one called Gyoza, which mm-hmm. is, I think, uh-huh. volume, volume three. And what, uh, what delighted me about Sake is it's got a little, um, a little mini-arc story in the middle, a kind of three-volume thing about you know, sort of Sake specifically. They're quite often these slightly smug little things where someone has a misconception about food and they get set right. Usually, Yamoka scoring points by not necessarily knowing more than someone. He's never totally a dick about it. It's always slightly loving in the way he sort of explains things, but it's slightly dickish. And his dad like is loving with a tone, like patronizing loving. Sometimes, or? Okay. yeah. And his dad is like a mega dick about it. Mm-hmm. And so the best ones are the ones. Well, not the best ones, but the. Um, the sort of funniest and the ones that work best in the form are the ones where he gets one over on his dad. Right. Because the rest of the time he's basically well actually someone else. Yeah, well actually someone. Mm-hmm. And although it's not particularly bad nature, it is kind of fun built up over time, it sort of gains a heft that mm. yeah, it's not ideal. So in, in in this one, the first the first one is is yeah, is someone that refuses to believe that sake is is acceptable is an acceptable drink and that French wine is infinitely superior. And so it loops through a bunch of stuff about French wine, about what's good about sake, and why a lot of Japanese people thought sake was crap because there was a bunch of sort of mass production dilution in the aftermath okay. of the Second World War. And so it, what I love about these is they you actually can learn quite a lot at the same time as them being these these fun little things. And one of the short stories in Volume Two is entirely about Beaujolais Nouveau. I bet you loved that. When is Beaujolais Nouveau season this year? Um, well, it's always the um, 
third Thursday of November. Crisis, like Easter for alcoholics. Yeah. Did you just oh, talk it. about that guy doing that thing and his dad doing that thing and then you did that thing to convert? Yeah. Oh, I asked him a question specifically. Interestingly, he seems to think that Milan Avant is the most interesting of the Beaujolais crew, which I would take issue with. But, uh, the Beaujolais crew? C-R-U-S. Just checking. But I did once have an idea for a comic called Premier Crew, which was a bad thing. Um, he can't tell you anymore because obviously it's so fucking brilliant someone will immediately steal it. No, it's such a terrible idea. There's almost nothing to it apart from the I pun. I quite like an idea about a wine gang, though. Yeah, I was thinking like some kind of um, really, really ill-considered outreach program for kids or something, but... Outreach on behalf of vineyards or oh. ageing alcoholics or... I was thinking like an ageing alcoholic youth worker takes a bunch of kids around wine regions or something. I don't know. I hadn't really got this together in my head, but... But yeah, the, the second volume of Shimbo is it's just more Shimbo, really. It's it's delightful. It's got the same stuff going on. Um, that sort of nice thing of occasionally intricate focus on sort of food and then pull back to casual panel structure. It's just it's just a nice thing. You'll learn things about food, particularly Japanese food, which I don't know much about. It is great. Good. And yeah, I'm probably gonna carry on reading it. I dare say I'll order the the third volume at some point, and I think there are six in English. I may well read the lot. You also read uh, City Inside. I did, by the lovely, lovely Tilly Walden. Little Tilly Walden. So much younger and so much better than anyone else we know. Yeah. It's depressing. What did you make of A City Inside? Um, it was a Tilly Walden book published by Avery Hill. I think they all just put out anything she writes at about 50 or 60 pages. Yes. And I imagine it does quite well for them. Do you have a more specific take on the business model? <laughs> a City Inside is... I mean, it's, it's very much in the vein of I love this part and... Um, was it the end of summer? Yes. Yeah, the winter one. The winter one. Yes. The end of summer. Sorry. So it's, it's in very much the same vein as um, I love this part and the end of summer. Um, it's short. It's got landscape... Uh, that, that, you've talked about it before, so I won't dwell on it, but that thing that she quite likes to do, I think, of sort of um, empathic mimetic landscape weirdness, where there'll be sort of projections of the world. And it, it's, um, it's a girl in what might be therapy or going through some kind of talking thing, recollecting bits of her life and then sort of projecting towards the future, and there's a slight twist to it. The twist is, depending on what you've taken from it, either reasonably optimistic or the most impossibly fucking grim thing imaginable I, I which is the latter yeah but it's it's a remarkable talent that she has for doing that thing with compressed and expanded time scales mm. to to sort of really sort of drive home the ambigu- uh, ambiguity of any yeah. sort of experience yeah. in that way and all it's really got to unpick it is the tensors. So sort of talking about things that did happen, things that are happening, things that will happen is kind of the way you track it back and forth. And there are some little visual signifiers. There's a recurring motif of this patterned blanket. But fundamentally, girl retreats into fantasy, ambiguous against reality, spinning up kind of imaginary cities, but also navigating some real-world relationships. It's an, it's an odd little thing. I, Beautiful, I would argue a bit, to me at least, a bit less visually impressive than either I Love This Part or The End of Summer. Um, it's a bit more slight than those things, I think. But it is Is some of that a function of the kind of publishing 
model that they're using for it or yeah was I mean, it written to be one of those or was it just one of those that happened to fit the model I'm honestly not sure it, it seemed to come out quite quickly and I'm, I think she's working on something more substantial at the mm. moment so if I had to guess I, I don't want this to sound overcritical because I did think it was enjoyable and I do think she's very very talented but it felt like there is de- they know there's a market for a, a, that thing at that price the mm. sort of book of a pro- quite slight but interesting book of approximately that length um, with her name on the cover and her art style that mm. people will buy and so here's a really easy a relatively easy one to and I'm, not, I'm sure it took a hell of a lot of effort and it is very interesting but it, it is a little it feels a little less substantial than than perhaps the other two sometimes you crank one out and that's okay yeah and it's still very good I'm not talking about wanking, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. I know. I I thought it was on sort of long reflection. I did probably enjoy it as much as I love this part, but it is harder to enjoy. Mm. I love this part. Feels, you know, it's complete in and of itself. This yeah. ha- this this is open ended in a way that is harder to process and more unpleasant. And I, I enjoy Imperfect Cadence of that kind. I enjoyed its voice. It has a, a, a really nice sort of tone to it. But yes, it felt less... Yeah, there's a constant, mm-hmm. there's a sort of constant refrain throughout the thing of, and it's fine, and it's fine, and it's fine, and this is fine, and mm-hmm. when this happens, it'll be fine. And, mm-hmm. and it's not, and it's unpleasant. It's, it's, it's super not fine. Or, or, or maybe it is if she genuinely does, if the sort of protagonist genuinely does kind of calmly accept all of that stuff. But Yeah, but I think definitely, yeah. definitely another one of those that's worth reading. Yeah, some of it reminded me of some of the Katie Green stuff in um, Lighter Than My Shadow. It felt quite a bit like some of the, you know, in a massively less horrifying and rapey way, like some of the therapy sequences in that. Okay. Lucy, mm. everything you've read is uh, for our upcoming topic, is it not? Broadly, yeah. Same here. Should we get on with it? We could get on with it. Heart looks unhappy, but that might be a skeleton. Yeah, I've wronged my skeleton. Yeah, so this week we're looking at fantasy comics. And I think we kind of assumed that we could just go away and read a bunch of stuff and that would yeah. be fine. But it turns out that, like, well, we've looked at sort of crime, we've looked at sci-fi, and a lot of other genre pieces which have had fairly horror, H- horror indeed, mm. horror, <laughs> horror indeed. I got I got abused for rolling my R's in a Thameside pub the other day. What? Uh, there was there was a woman who just the, the woman at the bar just impersonated me when I asked for. Uh, whatever beer it was that had two R's in it. The Ruby Stout. <laughs> <laughs> and she just impersonated me back and then sort of stared at me for a minute and realised she said it out loud and then started flapping and apologising. Um, How did that go for both of you? I was just laughing and then she just picked up a, a bag of mature cheddar and onion crisps and yelled, these are over 60 years old. <laughs> <laughs> what? At which point she just then complained that it was too hot and she hadn't had a break and um, it was all going wrong for her. She took her yes. shovel and used it robustly. Yeah, she needed a little sit down. Yeah. Wow. 
So anyway, we went away and we looked at fantasy comics because we do actually do some research for this thing. Um, and it's a bit odd. Mm. Certainly amongst the printed comics, there's not much sort of pure fantasy in... in not much right now, at least. Yeah. So I mean, that, there's a bit if you sort of... If you dig back. Mm. So when, when I say pure fantasy, I'm talking about second world fantasy, like mm. Tolkien or similar, yeah. where it's a whole other world and it's played entirely straight. Yeah, what we found quite a lot of, I think, is derpy, goofy shit, um, of which like the most interesting current thing is probably Captara or Rat Queens. Um, With a sort of fantastical edge, but not yeah. pure fantasy. But it, it goes back, like there's, there's shit tons of that. Or I've, I sort of, I guess because it's a fairly big feature of my prose reading, I happened upon a few bits of sort of willfully grimy urban fantasy. Yeah, it's the same. I read mm. quite a lot mm. in that in that field, but a lot of it is sort of Neil Gaiman esque mm. myth building on the real world. Um, there's tons of that. If you look further back, there's stuff like the Roy Thomas Conan adaptations and the new Conan stories. A lot of tendency to like. I wonder if it diagnosed the writer as bullshit, but I encounter quite a lot of things that seem to feel the need to try and say things about the nature of stories. Mm. That again, sort of slightly Gaiman-esque metafictional wank. And so it's great when it works, but, and I'll sort of whiffle about this later, but one of the things that sort of almost, it's what Cry Havoc is about and wants to be about, and it does it well, but, it, ah. It gets 80% of the way, and I think it, yeah. it does, um, it does a lot of what Six Gun Gorilla did, but it doesn't quite stick the landing in the same way. Also, I mean, fantasy is a good canvas for those sort of what does it mean to mm. be humanity type mm. narratives in that, woo, everything's different apart from a few things which are still the same, which we kind of point out to show you the bits we want to point out to you about humanity. Yeah. I think there's quite so. a lot of what does it mean to be mythic as well. Mm. Yeah, there is a fair bit of that. So, me and Hart looked at... at um, Primarily printed comics, but I think mm. you were looking more at web totally. comics. Totally. Come with me to the internet. Okay. Show us your internet, Miss Boys. Ooh. Well, I've got quite the selection. Where do you want to start? What, what tell, you... us, tell us what, well, what, you, what, what, what sort of things you found and what you enjoyed. Okay. So, um, I have read two things in depth and then sort of dipped into or begun three other things. The two things I read in depth were Unsounded by Ashley Cope. And Dice Box by Jen Manilia. We've, we've talked about you mentioned Dice Box before. Dice Box before, didn't yeah. you? Just quickly remind me. Dice Box is probably more sci-fi than fantasy, mm. although it's got some slightly fantasy elements to it. It's um, the story of two women who are married to each other but also sleep with other people, and it's not entirely explained how mm. that works. Chapter one is them as kind of itinerant space workers, kind of migrating mm. around trying to find quite dangerous work. The second chapter... So, okay, so I read all of the first chapter years and years and years ago and really, really liked it. This is and coming back to me, yes. Then I came back and I was like... One of them looked a bit like the sort of Tolda Swinton Bowie type mm. thing. Um, like that's a hybrid person oh. now. <laughs> yes. Um, so I went away for a long time because it was very kind of slow to update, fair enough. One page a week sort of thing. She's got other stuff going yeah. on. It's been running for a really long time. And I came back and I was like, whoa, there's so much more of this than mm. I remember what happened. And then I looked down at the bottom of the page and eight years happened. Wow. Yeah. Um, so the second chapter is very different from the first. It's, or rather, I think the second book it's being framed as. The first book is how, how can they scratch a living mm. doing quite dangerous work. 
and what is this world about? And the second one is um, they get kind of caught up in a lot of sort of political intrigue. It's very like intelligence service It's mm. kind of quite spy and tech-based. And that's also very fun, but it's very different from the first book. Um, I liked it a lot. They're very... The two protagonists are very sort of... Very complex characters in the sense that they are not obviously stereotypes at all. Yeah. They have sort of interesting and unique sounding thoughts and they make their decisions in ways that just aren't on rails and that's really nice. None of that sort of and then this happened and then this happened narrative logic that can occasionally beset webcomics. Yes, you can't really you can't see the sort of narrative work Mm. as well as you can in things that are doing it more obviously. Um, I would say probably my only complaint about it is that it goes maybe too far down the show don't tell spectrum so you occasionally get a good so she's trying to build the world really really slowly and she does it by introducing a lot of stuff in their dialogue that you don't know about that then kind of gets picked up on later but it does mean you occasionally get like three or four just kind of jargon heavy pages that you don't really have enough context for in a row but it's a minor complaint it's a real gem of story otherwise what does it look like pretty um Lots of pale pastels. The two married protagonists, Molly and Griffin. Uh, Griffin is a very tall, slender, pale, white woman who doesn't... As in, she is biologically female, Mm. but sometimes presents Mm. differently. Very kind of fashion-interested, lots of, like, angular cuts. And Molly is a short black lady Mm. who tends to favour colours a bit more, who's... Yeah, they're, very, they're really different. It's mm. very much kind of like an opposites pairing. Yeah. But it's good. I guess that gives you quite a bit of character design and colour stuff to work with as yes, well. Yes, very much so. A lot of mm. contrast if you want it. Mm. Um, but it's sort of... I don't know if it is a post-racial society, but race is not explicitly mm. mentioned as an issue so far. Mm. So that's Dicebox. Dicebox is good. And there is an explanation on the website as to why it's called Dicebox. I just can't remember what it is. And the other kind of long one that I read was Unsounded by Ashley Cope, and that was fuck me, that was good. That's like the best thing I found in a really long time. Ooh. Unsounded you're is my. I new... like it when you're excited. Yeah, it's What's my. The last one of those. That was Wet Moon. Yeah, it was Wet Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my go and tell everybody that you know to read this comic. This comic mm-hmm. is really good. So it's all web. There's eleven chapters of it up currently, and it's I think it's still updating. The art is amazing. It's doing. It does things with panels that webcomics let you do. It does some of the sort of Emily Carroll stuff of like kind of looking like it's boxed and then carrying on down the page. It kind of bursts out of the panel structure. A lot of the panel structure gets fucked up a lot. Um, So it's the story of a young girl, Seta Frumagen, who is on a journey with an undead guy to go and reclaim some money that her family is owed. But it basically, like everything, it's all about double crossing. It's a huge, huge world with lots of different kind of nation states that have very different kind of social and political structures. Yeah. So there's um, one particular country nearby is, um, it's good. Sorry, I just just had to go and look that up and the... Yeah, the initial panel is, is, is a glorious nonsense. Well, that's not initial. That's, yeah, the first panel I found is a glorious nonsense. Yes, no. There is a lot of glorious also nonsense. Also, the URL is casualvillain.com. Yes. Which, uh, it's a good one to get. Mm. So it's got... There's a lot of political intrigue. There's a mm. lot of closely situated, incompatible social and political systems. Mm. There's a lot of kind of... It's a very sort of 
big world feel in a kind of Skyrim-y way almost. Um, very diverse cast of characters in terms of like race, body shape, gender, all of that stuff. Yeah. Very well represented. That's good. Um, and there's lots of magic-y shit if you like magic-y shit. And the loose premise is... I'm oh, sorry, people with an undead dude and... Girl with an undead dude going on a an important journey yeah. to prove herself and also to get what her family is owed, and from that it just kind of blasts right, out right, as right. they encounter all these weird strands of shit that's going on. And, and is that kind of a bit sort of post Tolkien-y, fetch the wizard slippers? Or... As a sort of very basic device, yes, but it doesn't really feel like that when you're reading yeah. it. And it's sort of... It's quite kind of, in places, kind of tongue-in-cheek, very knowing, sort of low fantasy, which I find quite fun. Um, There's a lot of... So the sort of... The magic is basically their kind of technology, which allows Mm. you to do the slightly more sci-fi kind of constructs and little Mm. robot-y things, except there's all magic-powered. That's the sort of in-universe explanation. So there's that, too, if you like that stuff. So it's making me think a little bit of Dresden Kodak, but probably... Um, a little bit less weird. I wouldn't say fluffier, it gets proper fucking dark in places, like really, really dark and trippy in places as well, and gory as fuck in places. Mm. It's really good. And the, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of a sort of tragic sentient zombie, and this has got (laughs) one of those. It's got some lovely leaps in art style on the same page as well. Like there's some bits, it goes from quite cartoony, quite manga based. Um, to a sort of very heavily illustrated style in places. Yeah, um, it's the art is dense and rich as fuck. It's really, really beautiful and giving. Cool. And lots of sort of like kind of entering magic type trippy mm. dream sequency type stuff. Well, yeah, I'm just um, skipping it through a couple of pages and it's beautifully it polished. It is. It's so lovely. It's a little tiny bit rustier than that at the beginning, but mm. not very much, and it gets up to speed really quickly. Web comics, right? Like you sometimes get that. It's it's entirely understandable, mm. but it's but it's nowhere near as noticeable as something like Dark Red Court, for instance, yeah. or questionable content. It's no. a much lower kind of curve to high quality. Mm. No, this is beautifully done. Yeah, I can't believe I had no idea it existed. Yeah. No, and this is the first time I come. I just burnt through it in about three or four nights. Nice. Yeah. There's lots of it as well, which so it's not a complete story, which I know is kind of the dream for mm. webcomic reading, but there's enough of it that you can sort of say it yourself and then go away for a while. Yeah. You read um, Stay Still, Stay Silent, which I read back when we were looking at webcomics. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't. So that was one that I didn't get as far into, but I would probably have shoved you away. I found it I completely overwhelming. Like I just the incredibly slow pace, mm. um, and the lack of particularly strong characterization. True. I found very difficult to deal with. Both with kind of visually distinctly and as well as in voice yeah. to some extent. Yeah. So I didn't get very far with it. I think it's it's very good looking if you like that kind of thing. It's absolutely, sort of absolutely beautiful. Scratchy kind of old maps type stuff, old timey handwriting, uh, old looking fonts. Um, it's set in Scandinavia. It's kind of, so as I didn't get that far with it, but it's a sort of non-lethal plague is spreading that's kind of threatening to interrupt humanity and they're trying to deal with it yeah. and apparently it gets into Norse mythology later but I didn't get there mm. No, it sort of starts out as a disaster thing and then sort of jumps ahead a little while when magic has re-emerged into the world post this plague and the different Scandinavian races, well, countries have different magical properties mm. 
Um, but it takes so long to get there. Mm. So, so long. And I, I found it very, very hard to persevere with. And it's interesting because if you want a story about the different magic of the Scandinavian countries, do you also want a story very slow-paced about a developing pandemic like those? Yeah, seem to be yeah. slightly yeah. different audiences. It really could have started in media res and flashback, but yeah. it's completely linear at that point, yeah. which is... Which difficult. I can totally understand if you're getting going writing and drawing. I mean, just starting telling the story can be so powerful if you don't mm-hmm. know where to start, but then that's the editorial choice you've got to go back and make afterwards. Yeah. Does it do that occasional, the thing you occasionally see with written fantasy of just falling so completely in love with and then relentlessly masturbating over its own magic system? I don't know, I didn't get to the magic um, system. It's, uh... Unsounded does not do that, mm. by the way. Though it, it gives you kind of a range of characters with different attitudes to magic. There are some people who are clearly just wanking over their own skill and some people yeah. who are totally unimpressed, which is good. It's got little breakdowns and explanations of it in, mm. in the story, and so... And this is the thing to that gets extent, up, but it, it really gets up my nose. It's, it's one of those webcomics that is very much pointed towards its own fandom, and yeah. so little bits of detail here and there, and, and, get, and yeah. stopping to explain is something that the audience for that thing enjoys, and I it's don't, but that, I can see it's why It's a fan reaction I've come across quite a lot in written fantasy. Is one of the You guarantee if you read like the Amazon reviews of a fantasy novel or whatever, mm. you won't have to scroll, scroll down more than about four reviews before someone says this has a really interesting magic system. Mm. And it's kind of like, yeah, you... you you, you basically want to read The Martian for Wizards, don't you? And to be fair, I would read the shit out of that. Yeah. But, but I mean, I mm-hmm. I read some books that are of that ilk, like the Max Gladstone stuff. Yeah, and that makes a weird pseudo-virtue of it. In the, in, thank you for giving me a prime segue into the Black Monday murders. But <laughs> What are the Black Monday murders? But, uh, but the, the Gladstone stuff takes, yeah masturbating over your magic system to an entirely different level by completely reframing it as something else but in the Max Lassen novels magic is is effectively sort of banking law it's a legal system it's, yeah. yeah it's a legal but legal system but structured more like a with a heavy bit, bit of finance so hmm. they, the first one is it's a god dies contract, and they have to yeah. deal with the ensuing bankruptcy problems mm-hmm. effectively sort of flow of power and indebtedness mm-hmm. and uh, Black Monday Murders is, it was just the, the first issue, but it's, a, it's an outsized one, um, last week. Uh, it's Jonathan Hickman and Tom Coker, 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 I think. I'm surprised to see Hickman's name on there, because I associate him purely with wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey sci-fi. Well, do you read it? No. It's not wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey sci-fi, but you know that thing he does, where he's massively in love with his own premise and spends at least three panels every issue having someone explain the, the weird physics or the backstory and how smart it is? Yeah. This is a comic about how magic is banking law. Okay. I've encountered this before. Uh, <laughs> well, it's sort of magic is banking law and the rest of the world may or may not know about it. Um, how to... How to it, it starts with some cutbacks to the original like, Wall Street crash and then cuts forward to the present day. And then it's interspersed with... Um, it's, it's beautiful. It's artistically absolutely wonderful. Sort of digital painty, very slight but it's interspersed with pages that are like pages from dossiers or textbooks. Mm -hmm. Basically the idea of an economics textbook that's also a kind of grimoire. It's acknowledged that the schools of economics are like sort of magical colleges effectively, Mm. and that there are Eastern and Western approaches. And 
it all seems to be loosely based on the idea that mammon is an actual outer god that you can commune with at the end of the fiscal year mm-hmm. when the walls between reality are at their thinnest. Of course. <laughs> and it's centered around this banking, this investment banking firm that has a sort of mythical arrangement, a bit like sort of it, the, the magic system reminds me quite a lot of some of the stuff in Carnival. Mm. Um, but it's got a tarot-y feel in places and it's alchemical sigils all over the place and very immediate with the opening of it. It kind of only explains things through the cracks. It is clearly very in love with its own world in that way, uh, but it's pretty well executed. Happy world building will generally lead to that. Oh, it's true. And, and one of the things about, I think, webcomics in particular, but also fantasy in general, is that it lends itself well to extremely like, long blithering about the world. That's if yeah. you're not really I, tight and careful when you're making this stuff, you I can run into self-indulgent blither. Christopher Tolkien had an editor. Christopher Tolkien had an editor. Yeah. Web comics people don't, and Christopher Tolkien still managed to write about four thousand pages of fan fiction to his own father. Mm-hmm. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's proper strange. It's quite weird. It's a problem probably for him psychologically. Yeah, I, I imagine he can afford to get it fixed. Yeah, true. No, that many bit is lovely. It's um. Very Jonathan Hickman. It's it's a clever premise that it can't quite pull back from explaining to itself to you, but it's still well done and enjoyable. You've got basically there's there's this background of finance magic that is sort of semi known to the world, and a murder happens. So you've got a detective who's um, also semi magical. We think mm. he sort of uses it to get a little bit of an in on solving some cases, and okay. has been benched for walking up to someone and shooting them and then it later turns out they were a serial killer. Mm. Um, so, bit of a maverick, bit of a weirdo. He wades into the, the murder in finance land. It's only the first issue will be a double-sized one, so we don't really know what's going on. Okay. Um, but there's some quite exciting stuff, but it's quite clearly going to get into that Max Gladstone style high detail of contractual arrangements and, mm. and weird shit. It does a... There's this thing that Hope Merrilee does in um, Lord of the Mist, where one of the things that Lord of the Mist is explicitly about is the mashing together of magic and lit- magical and litigious law. Mm. That the magic of Fairyland can manifestly remake the world, mm. and the magic of law can remake. You know, the, the yeah. idea that it, it is that laws are performative language spells that it can change things, that it can manipulate things. Mm. It's got that, and that's quite an old idea, I think. In, mm. If if you view Maud Arthur as a fantasy novel, which because I'm a massive prick, I like to. Yeah, no, I mean um, it is. Then you can sort of see that's got this thing going on of negotiating a transition from a, between a chivalric to a civil and legal society mm. with like schematized systems mm. as opposed to. And so it's got this... Um, That's why those clerks are murdering people. <laughs> it's got that Hegelian tragedy punch of the irreconcilable systems mm. with, with Lancelot and, the, and Guinevere and all mm-hmm. that jazz. And then mitigating that by building something like a civil structure and the, again, Hegelian structure tragedy of Arthur being, being stuck between the two, effectively competing social systems, one a legal society is trying to build. Mm-hmm. Fantasy has this, this mad... Well, the... <clears throat> Smeared across the history of fantasy is this kind of negotiation and using it as a model to play out things that are a bit like magic but that we do in the actual world, mm-hmm. like the law, or I don't know, music is quite a common one. Magic is music, you come across that quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and so this, you know, 
finances is magic. Fair enough. I'll, I'll come along along on that journey. It's trading in imaginary commodities that project out into the world. And injection does that in the second run. I mean, that's kind of what the what the injection is is doing with Van does Van D Van der Z Van der Z. Yeah, it's it's so learning about. Alice wouldn't have been quite as on the nose as to call him D. No. Um, but <laughs> Gaiman does in. Um, that actually exists. The the John D the Doctor D thing pre-exists Game and Sam yeah, and it's existing know, all DC the stuff character. from the early Game and stuff does, but still it's crap. Um, <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> I will shut up about the Black Monday Murders. It's it's well worth a look. We'll see how it shapes up. As with a lot of the Hickman stuff, I'm I'm just I'm entirely happy to forgive it its slight infatuation with its own cleverness because it's so well done. Would it be like how much better would it be if it didn't do that? Um, if it did half as much of that, it would be quite a bit better. But I think doing some of it is, not, is kind of makes it is one of the things that makes it what it is. Yeah. And the way it's done in this one, with the sort of back matter and the textbook excerpts and the bits and pieces, mm-hmm. feels like a real part of it. Mm. Um, in the way the kind of look to audience and explain bits in, say, Red Wing do not. Mm. I tried to find things that I thought of as proper fantasy. It was hard, and wasn't I it? Are we going to have the definition fight? No, I don't. I don't think so. So I was trying to. So I was trying to find things that were sort of a fairly close mapping to Lord of the Rings, Shannara, things like that, where there's a complete world built. The sort of, of time, whole separate world, not necessarily, but slightly swords and sorcery kind of. So, so unsounded yeah. was the only thing I found that was basically exactly yeah. there. Everything else was kind of blurred around the edges. Mm. And it's, it's sort of strange, because it never went away in sort of genre fiction and pro-genre fiction, but comics never really seemed to pick it back up. Yeah, and they, well, they sort of went there in the 70s. Resurg- yeah, well, pro- the sort of prose fantasy was resurgent in the 60s or 70s, late 60s, early 70s. And comics sort of jumped on it a little bit. There were the Conan books and the Red Sonja books. Um, so, but if I had to never- take a guess... Elfquest as well. Mm. Elfquest. Mm. If I had to take a guess, I would suggest that maybe this is. Um, I mean, not that it's cheap to write a novel, but it's quite a bit more expensive to, or it's quite expensive to produce comics. May or may not be more expensive to write novels, but it's quite expensive to produce comics. You've got the art overhead and what have you, and then mm. you've got the monthlies model, and things that aren't glued to the to the floppies model would have tended to be like pre sort of pre image and pre the graphic novel boom in Anglo-American at least before that um, I bet Franco-Belgian has a lot of fantasy. I was going to say actually what are why they doing do? why, why didn't, didn't we go, go Franco-Belgian but, um, in, why didn't we just find the Cinebook Fantasy yeah. series in, in Anglo-American um, pre the recent-ish like last 20 years graphic novel boom yeah. I guess you'd have been looking at floppies or underground basically as a slightly false dichotomy and the underground stuff probably wasn't interested because it was all about Robert Crumb liking butts and doing I, I think that's unfair and floppies he likes as well yeah and floppies couldn't sell it so in the early days there was there was plenty you know Prince Valiant was a uh, big yeah. big selling comic in the 40s and Flash Gordon is only very loosely sci-fi Flash Gordon's mm. essentially a, a fantasy world did any of it get comics coded yeah for Boobs and reasons. Or? Um, I don't think that stuff hit, hit too hard. Okay. A lot of that stuff was being published either as 
um, newspaper strips, mm. which gradually died away as newspapers shrank and space got squeezed out. Um, died and away. A lot of it was published by sort of one of the other big um, comics publishers of the, the sort of early days, which forced it. It was also. Um, at the inception of the comics code, it was a lot of horror. Was, mm. was, was the sort of the genre of choice? Horror, crime, romance, things like that were were very heavily hit by the comics mm. code. Um, I just didn't know that whether that was why there wasn't more of this, or if it was just purely mm. taste and choice reasons. I don't think so. so I don't, I don't think really we're going to hit on one particular thing. Mm. There's, there's a really good article on this in from the British Encyclopedia of Fantasy, quoted in the online version of the Science Fiction Encyclopedia, mm. which we will put in the we'll show notes. We'll put in the show notes. Um, which is a wonderful, wonderful resource that I would encourage people to check out. It's just this insanely brilliant thing that's, I believe, completely free. It is, yes. Um, curated, edited by, in the main, by the talented and delightful Mr. John Clute. Um, yes. Wonderful, wonderful resource of sci-fi stuff, and um, they, it extensively republishes the, I think, last, which was 1997? 97. Edition yeah, of the Fantasy Encyclopedia. There's a very long piece on fantasy comics, which gives a fair history. And when you read through that, there's no real reason it never caught on. There's no mm. real reason the bits that did died off. It just didn't seem to quite catch the genre zeitgeist in the way that the, pro- the prose fiction did. Well, I suppose also if you're talking about sort of the cost of making it, it's so much easier to f- like push that cost onto your audience's imagination and do it in prose. Mm. If you're doing extremely like, if it's a sort of big lavishy world stuff, I don't know. Extent, I think fantasy film never really went away. Mm. No. It's had sort of peaks and troughs, but mm. it's always been there. But was it had? Yeah. Was it was not had, yes. Maybe as worn by Ray Liotta in Dungeon Siege. Maybe. Maybe. He just sort of wore a leather jacket. Oh. I'm horrified by that film. I have not seen it. It's bad. Okay. Um... This yeah. includes the day of being horrified by Dungeon Siege portion of the podcast. So we've we've read a lot of stuff. There's, I mean, but it's all sort of fallen into um, things that are heavily based around mm. existing myths. Um, a lot of it is stuff that is sort of metafictional, mm. or it's parody, like um, Serapis the Aardvark. Um, um, Rat, uh, Rat Queen. Rat Queens, again, which I, I would say is sort of, again, is very heavily based around Dungeons and yeah. Dragons and the notion yeah, of how sounds, Dungeons and Dragons is, campaign is structured. This is the thing I wanted to kind of pull out a bit, which is that one of the way the recent fantasy stuff I've encountered has been relentlessly postmodern. I mean, this is just my tastes, but so and quite often it's about the way experience of fantasy, which is what it's referring to rather than fantasy, like it's some kind of second order abstraction. But it's often about the way experience of fantasy is mediated by some other cultural object. So, Captara is about He-Man. Yeah. Or about the Saturday Saturday morning cartoons. Um, Rat Queens is about the sort of... What the hell would an actual world... The kind of world that could ever possibly be structured to accommodate D&D campaigns, how fucked would it be? Mm. Mm. Um, (laughs) It turns out it's very annoyed with the people who come back to the inn and go, we killed everything, but, you know, there's a fire and this Mm. wizard's chasing us. and And then there's, yeah, there's Weird World, which is... I, I, it's, it's quite tongue-in-cheek. Weird, Weird World started out as sort of a fairly straight-up um, Conan rip-off mm-hmm. um, with, with a character called Akron, who was a large barbarian with a sword and was also king. Also a town of, in Canada. Yeah. And Ohio. Um, 
maybe I'm thinking of the same. And then, I mean, it sort of, it, mm. it quietly yeah. died. It didn't, it didn't last very long due to wranglings at Marvel. But in the recent sort of um, Secret Wars thing mm. where the whole Marvel Universe got shaken up, um, someone who was a fan of it brought back brought it back, Mike Del Mundo and um, Sam Humphreys, um, brought it back as part of that with, with um, the, the Akron character not really understanding his place in the world or why why his beloved city of Polymachus has vanished um, and at the end of that because everything gets reset and Marvel Universe gets reconstructed it gets dumped into the Bermuda Triangle and planes go missing in it hmm. so you get the postmodern version of it where the well yeah the, this is like a senior high schooler being yeah. dumped in mad fantasy land and trying to cope by making himself the squire to a wizard killing barbarian chick yeah and the original characters still exist but they now know that they're in a lumpy, tiny fantasy planet that is stuck floating somewhere above the Earth, and people occasionally crash through into it and uh, they're don't not tend to last it. very long. They're not, no, they're not happy about this. But also, they've got giant magical cars, and yeah. part of Weird World is the quest for a fuel injector. Yeah, so it, it, as far as I can tell, it's a slacker high school kid who apprentices herself to like basically lesbian Conan mm. um, and then they drive around in a magic Zena? Cadillac was never proved <laughs> <laughs> totally was yeah. Um, but yeah the, the, so there's this big trend for this kind of highly I hate fairyland did you read I hate fairy, fairyland Scotty Young no because I hate Scotty Young and you're allowed to that's fine um, but again it's this this hyper colour nope did I talk about this before? You Maybe. did briefly, It's yeah. a little girl that falls into fairyland and doesn't age, and now it's 30 years later, and she's just so sick of this shit. Mm. Um, and I think it opens with her... There's like a man in the moon, like, drippy face thing. It basically ends with her murdering the moon and stars mm. with sticks of dynamite and stuff. And it's, it's, it's incredibly stupid. There's a lot of that which seems to, like, hang off the idea that... It's, it's like sort of flashcards about the thing, the idea that your yeah. audience know, has a certain Let's perception. Let's ironic, this thing. So you, you spin off it, and it's not about an exploration of the thing, it's about an exploration of the public perception of the thing. Mm. Um, and there are, there are some smart versions of that, and some less smart versions, and they're all broadly quite enjoyable. I fucking love Camtara, but... I, I wonder if... There must be some just doing the thing that we've mixed again. It's pretty frank. It's called unsounded. Yeah, all that. No, like I found yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but there should be more, right? Yeah. Fantasy as a genre. I expected to find unsounded and like six other clones of varying mm. quality, and they they weren't really there. Yeah. yeah like, where's the, the? So we've 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 broadly ignored adaptations and spin-offs from other media. Yeah. So we've mm. ignored things like D and D comics, Pathfinder. Yeah. yeah. But when like, not quite spin-off, but where is where is the Game of Thrones cash in, right? This is huge business right now. Is there not a Game of Thrones comic? Oh there is. Yeah. There's oh, a Game of Thrones comic, but who's cashing in on the the, the, the concept there must be an interest in like because what that's doing is slightly more grounded swords and not very much sorcery. It's, it's courtly intrigue with just enough magic and dragons to right, keep people hooked. The West Wing with swords and tits. I'm pretty sure. I mean, yeah, they just superimposed a sword over the cricket bat, and that was it. That's how they did the show. Mm. It's not how they did the show. It's not how they did the show. They spent a lot of money. Well, there's a lot of things with very elaborate um, sort of fantasy world esque construction, things like Pretty Deadly. Mm. Um, which, but again, that sort of sits on top of. 
I mean, that's, um, mytho- that's like mythopoetic wank. Yeah. In a good way. I mean, yeah. you could call, I was thinking you could call Harrow County fantasy to some extent, even yeah. though it sits very firmly in the sort of more horror Southern Gothic mm. stuff. There's plenty of weird fantastical shit mm. going on. I think we've definitively established that we don't really know what fantasy is, but it's kind of got a taste. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, I think you we do. I think we do, because we think because it's the thing that's always being parodied or addressed to the second order, but never actually being done straight. So, I used to think... There must I, be an original object somewhere, because yeah. every fucker well, is taking okay, a piss here's, out of here's, it. Here's the thing. So, I used to think this, and I don't Medieval really, Europe. I don't really think I believe it anymore, but I used to think that fantasy was basically not done and dusted but so as as evinced so completely realized with lord of the rings that that's why a lot of it is so grim um that and what i actually think is, is sort of happening is that the just william people, donaldson Tom, thomas covenant novels did it for me i had to stop reading fantasy after that point because i couldn't take another 800 pages of miserable lord of the rings fan fiction yeah what i actually think is the case is that a lot of people just can't let go of tolkien and just sort of keep trying to crawl back into bed with them yeah but um it's also i mean it's it's extremely hard to be imaginative when you've got such a huge kind of cornerstone like that looming and i I kind of i thought that until basically until i read the fairy queen which is sorry for for anyone who who isn't familiar with it and god knows i wasn't until i was made to read it at university um late 1500s yeah um like 15 not very 15 lots to 16 not very much um epic poem of roughly the length of Lord of the Rings mm. uh, partly religious allegorical but basically um, basically swords and sorcery it's it's about knights doing things in the countryside fighting wizards, killing monsters yeah, freaky monsters, freaky like properly monsters, freaky monsters proper with a lot of shit. talk about their like teats yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of like not very, not very repressed gynophobia as well no um, so I've been re- I've been reading some of the epic poetry that underpins fantasy, um, but I haven't I haven't read the Fairy Queen. But does it do the thing where it goes to extreme lengths, really often, to explain that when everyone sits down for a meal, they're having a fucking fantastic time? No, no, it's a lot less feasty than most. No of one show. has a good time. Uh, Gawain, so, on the other hand, feasty as fuck. Yeah, Gawain. Oh yeah, that's one of the ones mm. I read recently. Would you like me to lend you? It's good, isn't it? Good. Uh, it's weird. Maybe you got to be there. Yeah. <laughs> what, like in the Green Chapel? Yeah. yeah. Just in the yeah. Wirral in general. I'm or, hoping to go to one of the places or, that it might have been based on when I'm on sabbatical. Where's that? It's in the Peak District. Mm-hmm. So reading things like Gawain, there's there's a lot of um, hey, everyone had a lovely time, we had a feast, and here's some homoeroticism. And by the way, this guy's wife really kind of wants to do you, but it's probably a test. Yeah. Because chivalry is weird. Probably a bad idea. Yeah, probably don't do it. Probably don't go out with him either. He's No, gonna... he's fucking crazy. He's mad. Yeah, you don't get that in the Fairy Queen. Yeah. You don't get much of that in Lord Arthur. No, it's true. It's quite dry. Yeah. There's some weird shit, though. Oh, yeah, no proper weird shit, but... Farcical aquatic ceremonies. I don't know. I, I like... Victorian medievalism more mm. than I like actual medievalism. I'm I think. the other way around. I, I'm I'm all in on the original medieval mm. Well, the trouble is, I the it got sold to me culturally via the Victorian yeah, stuff, and then the real stuff was a dry disappointment. I think she couldn't write good poems back in the day. We've written better ones since. <laughs> You'd think that our poetry would be getting better over time, but you know. Yeah. I've got a degree in this shit. 
You should see my dissertation. So the underpinnings of fantasy are quite weird, and there's a lot of a lot of feasting. I think it was called something like illusions of narrative temporality and the the properties of metaphor or something like that. And yet you complain when I set up a fucking Markov chain bot on you. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't do as well as my Moby Dick one. Bitches don't see my Moby Dick. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, there's a lot of stuff that... Before we decided fantasy was a thing, there was a lot of stuff that was basically fantasy. And Mm. then... I don't know. I don't know when the. T- I haven't actually bothered to look this up. But presumably, at some point, the terminology crops up, and a lot of people kind of the, the, the one with the thing with the big mental affordance is talking. But there'll have been stuff before that. There's stuff after. I mean, does Meredith predate? Does Does London the Mist predate? I think Lord it does. I think it's all r- same time. R- roughly contemporary. I think Tolkien was late twenties. Yeah, and then obviously before that, you've got Dunsinane. That's a bit more horror, but mm-hmm. like he's like competent Lovecraft. Well, there's lots. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of gothic horror. Yeah. For from sort of early 1800s onwards. And you get just like goblins all up the wazoo in the 1800s. That's true. They yeah. loved a goblin. Like Rossetti was a fiend for a goblin. Oh, really was. But um, so there's all sorts of all sorts of weird shit, and then something about that kind of elves and swords and bollocks stuff just becomes really claggy and mentally affordant for a while. It's also, I mean, if you if you think of the concept of a fantasy as sort of anything you dream of mm. that may not be entirely real, mm. to have it applied so specifically to wizards mm. and shit is kind of weird. Yes, like, I very rarely dream of wizards. No, it's true. I wish I dreamed of wizards more. Far more likely to dream about goblins. You take drugs and listen to prog, so... <laughs> <laughs> if anything... If anything was going to set you up for that shit. It's true. Uh, and the cheese, to be perfectly honest. Oh no, honest. <laughs> all my vices. But does, but, yeah, comics never really picks it up or doesn't pick it up hard, but does really go in hard on the postmodern shit. I, I don't know, is, is there something missing in the middle that we just haven't noticed? Maybe everyone just really fucking loves Michael Moorcock and nothing else. That's fair, right? Something I found kind of interesting, so I mean, I was reading stuff basically entirely written by women and on the web, so you've got kind of all of the things that that can bring to something. And there's, yeah, so there's vast, there's vast chunks that we may well be missing, because the fantasy I've been looking for is similar to the Western fantasy canon, which is white dudes. Yes. So one thing I picked up was um, Lost Oracle by uh, Lo Brockhoff, which is... It is by a Western white person, but it is the world it is set in is much more about kind of... I don't know where I'm going with this. They're racially diverse, and they do like mind magic type stuff, mm. and it's in a vaguely kind of Eastern fantastical city setting. Right. Like, uh, so I think a lot of the fantasy that I encountered, nothing stayed purely in the kind of, kind of Scandi, Anglo, mythology mm. type, medievalist stuff. A lot of it really, really, really also wanted to have the Eastern fantasy brought in as well. So Unsounded does that a bit. Lost Oracle basically is that. Lost Oracle is pretty but currently insubstantial. There's only about three chapters of it up. But it was what I read of it I enjoyed. Okay, sorry, I'm just clicking through to this. I see what you mean with with some of the aesthetic stuff. Yeah. It's, um... (laughs) Okay, if you want to do that for... Opening, yeah, but it seems to be jumping between sort of Egyptian looking stuff, Scandi looking stuff, yeah, Yeah. it's 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 sort of gods and mythology from everywhere more than it is entirely Eastern in setting. It's just but it seems that bringing 
bringing non-Western shit in is a mm. thing that people enjoy to kind of enrich their mm. fantasy, but it's often usually white people doing it. Yeah, which is interesting. Sometimes would... it works better than others. Yeah. Um, that's the thing. That, I mean, that's the thing that happened historically as well. The sort of Victorian obsession with Egypt. Oh um, lord, that's how we got all those fucking obelisks. Mm. Oh, I don't mind obelisks. No, but we stole them. We did steal them. I feel bad about that. Can we not have made our own? Like exactly. At risk of sounding a bit UKIP, what about the British obelisk industry? Indeed. No, so sorry. Uh, you, you want to replace the traditional men here with some sort of geometric? Middle Eastern maths-based nonsense. No, sir. No, it'll be a rough-hewn stone or knelt. Maybe a Celtic cross if you're lucky. Oh, fuck that nonsense. It's all druids and Catholics and shit, isn't it? No, mm. no, love, but the no stuff. love for geometry. Could, can't, can't sell you on a little Can I make a point I was trying to make in the Please first place? Please do, Thank sorry. You. <laughs> so there seems to be, in a lot of the comics that I read, a kind of tacitly more progressive society than ours in some ways so a lot of people are sort of women married to women kind of thing and that's just not a thing at all and yet the society also has a bunch of other different social problems and I guess it it was kind of interesting because it's like sort of how that stuff evolves isn't often tackled quite as explicitly as a lot of the other kind of world building stuff so the fact that you can have a wife and that's fine, but also this entire group of people are slaves, yeah. it's sort of weird and jarring somehow. And, and how do you, and the, one of the things that could be interesting, and I guess some of them will explore this, is how do you get uh, quite progressive by one set of our definitions whilst being not yeah. late? Yes, because social change doesn't normally work in entirely separate strands yeah, that progress so at totally different speeds. What are the disconnections that have made this possible? Yeah. One of my favourite set of fantasy novels is... Um, I can't remember what the cycle is called, but the first one is called uh, The Steel Remains mm. by, is it Richard Morgan? It's, it's, it's basically, it's gay Conan. You've got a, a guy who's a fallen aristocrat who's the barbarian war hero of, a, of an ancient war against the lizard people. Mm. There's a society with slavery and goodness mm. knows what, and he picks up a sort of motley crew of racially and sexually diverse interesting weirdos yeah and they um, one of the things they do is he's like well you know we've got some giant geopolitical problems to solve and there are some dragons and there are some might be ghosts might be aliens trying to destroy the world but while I'm at it let's you know fuck up some homophobes and abolish slavery Mm. yes and I think sort of that the process of how you get there just doesn't really Mm. ever come up even though they're very Kind of in depth, and so the stuff that you that you've read that has these kind of disconnects. Yes, has any of it engaged with those disconnections, or is it just kind of quietly there? Not yet, but I think it might be a case of yet in yeah. both. They in in that neither. So the two I'm thinking of are Lost Oracle and Dice Box. Mm. Dice Box is really long, but in terms of the actual story development, it's still pretty early on. Mm. And Lost Oracle is just very short at the moment. Yeah. It's only three chapters, so because. I can see why people would jump to do that, like jump to sort of have marriage equality and things like that because they Make are, the world you want to see and influence yeah. people through your art, sure. Yeah, and also it's the the webcomics audience is generally young and progressive. And there's no reason why in another world that shouldn't be totally fine. It's just... well, yeah, because a lot of the way we've got to some of the fucked up shit we've got has been the predominance of European imperial Judeo-Christian founded social bollocks. Yes. And once you remove that... It's, there's no inherence about... How would your world's shit religion have influenced yeah. the... One of the things I really like in the uh, Max Gladstone books, the, the sort of ones I referred to earlier, is that it's a sort of magic-based society, but sort of in terms of 
culture and progression, they're roughly on a par with us. Mm. They've had something that's very much like the 20th century with sort of massive war and upheaval. But and also he reconstructed. Progress. You say massive war and upheaval. They murdered all their gods yeah. and siphoned their power with giant magical needles. That and does split, sound like and split a continent in half. Yes. But that's, that's know, it. kind of an allegory. Mm. Um, but it allows it allows the author to play around with something that's sort of socially structured, like our our culture, yeah. in which you know homophobia is a thing. It's not sort of as predominant as it was, but it looks at the ways that the different cultures engage yeah. with that. Yes. Yeah, um, I mean, for example, it doesn't really carry much uh, much truck in a city that's ruled over by an eight foot tall necromantic skeleton who's also a whoopsie. No, like he will fuck you up. But then they've got. Um, they, they've got homophobic comments from the sort of uh, Aztec-like previous rulers mm. of this this mm. um, yes. uh, society, which refer to lesbians as altar maids because they've never known the touch of a man, mm. um, which is, you know, mm. just grim and slightly creepy. But mm. it does it without sort of mm. having its cake and eating it, making everything fine apart from this one thing that we want yeah. to look at. Yes. Yeah. And yes, one of the one of the motivations for the king, the red king, is it the king in red? King in red. Yeah. One of the motivations for him, you know, killing a bunch of gods is he got a bit pissed off when they sacrificed his boyfriend. Making yeah. making your own gods and doing shit with them seems yeah. to be a thing that people who make fantasy stuff really really like to do, yeah. mm. and that is sort of good to varying degrees. I mean, you just saw the the cold open of Lost Oracle; yeah. you weren't massively impressed. Oh no, it's kind of nice. it's the, but it's that thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I could be re-impressed by it turning yes. out to be good. But um, I think Unsounded does a lot better job of that. So in Unsounded, you've got two competing religions. Mm. You've got these sort of four kind of older gods who are much more kind of gods of the world. So like the mother goddess is like yes. constantly like pregnant with the world kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then you've got this other religion that is prevalent in some parts mm. of the continent where basically their god went and killed the other gods because he thought they were bullshit and mm. sort of like the kind of how those two religious mm. ties, you know, social shit, blah, blah, blah. It's good. Mm. You should go read it. I'm going to. Can I say something that's not about fantasy, but it's about webcomics? Please do. Why do people have guest strips before their comic is like mature enough that you're actually invested in the characters? Because I do not understand this. Um, that's weird. Because they're worried about traffic dropping off when they're on holiday. Yeah, probably. Mm, true. Which is you don't you don't want your nascent comic to die because the RSS feeds weren't getting hit. No, it's true. Um, Do the kids still have RSS feeds? Well, we're, the, tum- we're, we're the, the, the tumblers. I don't have an the tumblers. Feed. The tumblers. The tumblers. Uh, can I make another point about webcomics? Keyboard support is so great. I know. Please, keyboard oh. support your webcomics, people. Oh, Gay Cocky Pie Comics has keyboard support. Unsounded does not, unfortunately. But something else did. Support your local keyboard. Dicebox does. Yeah. You can get WordPress and Tumblr themes that will do this. People Please, are getting people. better at putting their comics on Tumblr. It's getting like a less horrible experience. Yeah. I think, yeah, specifically pre-designed themes that will yeah. support it. So... Sorry, did you, have, did you read anything else? Yeah, I read Echo's Rift, but it was probably the slightest of them, so I have the least to say mm. about it. So it's, um, it's by Jennifer Potter, and it's about a kid who... He is basically like locked away from the world by his dad, and his dad is, in quite a heavy-handed way, Mr... I can't explain to you why this is, but it's for your own safety, so you've just got to do exactly what I say. Yeah. And he meets a one-eyed rabbit in the woods, 
and um, then there's some sort of upheaval and his dad insists they have to move again whilst being a dick about it the whole time and there's an encounter in the woods with a one-eyed wolf I think the one-eyed thing is a thing I don't know what thing it is yet though Odin it's always Odin when it's a one-eyed god it's probably Odin Mm. even if it's a rabbit uh, it's mm. better with the wolf than the rabbit, but yeah. it could be the rabbit. He generally described himself as a, as a traveller when he wants to go places. I like the art in that. Yes, the art's it's nice. Like... It's not that long yet, and I don't know where it's going mm. to go. That ain't bad. But it's nice looking. Um, mm. And so we've kind of just got to the point where his dad's mysteriously disappeared. He's met someone who might be his aunt or something, who's probably about to blow his mind with all the reasons of the secrets. Mm. That's where we're at. That is how this tends to go. Yeah. It's one of those, but it's a nice-looking one of those that has potential. Cool. I think the main thing I'm taking away from this um, is, like, read fantasy by women. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's my massive takeaway, because like, I had so much a nicer time than the, I ever have reading the dude fantasy. The dude it's a lot sounds, less rapey. The dude stuff sounds worse than this. Yeah. No, it's... Ladies have good imaginations and thoughts mm-hmm. and feelings, and they write good shit, even though other people maybe think they're not as good people as other people, but they're wrong. Mm-hmm. With fantasy and being super rapey. Oh, I don't know. With that bullshit justification that, oh, the past was violent. It's interesting, actually. Unsounded doesn't do rapey as much, although it does kind of tackle sex. There's a sort of love hotel powered by magic where you can have any fantasy experience you want, and there are sort of talking tentacles that try and entice you. It's nice. (laughs) Um, But there's a lot of just straight up, like, murder and gore. So There used to be a webcomic which was about... Like horrifying hentai style tentacle monsters that were just sick of being objectified and very confused about whether I wanted to fuck them. Oh, what was that called? Go and find it. Please find out. Time. We will. We will add it to the show. Was it called something like Ghastly? It might have been. This this was years ago. It was, it was just a webcomic about like tender-hearted tentacle monsters that were confused tentacle by the attention they were getting. Well, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, I, was, I was put onto it by that lady that used to give me the problematic back rubs. Oh. Less consensual than you'd hope? Or... Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they went that way. Oh. It was fine. It was all fine. You're over it. Well, I think we're going to leave it there. Because we need to get you to a police station. <laughs> is it fair to say that we don't entirely know what fantasy is, and nor do we care? I, I, I think we've got a fairly okay idea of what it is, in that it's a very, it's an it-shaped gap mm. in the thing that everyone who writes fantasy comics is pointing at. Certainly, the, the really current stuff you can back project from the thing it's postmodern nodding at. Yeah. Yeah. Which is to say, prose fantasy. It just mm. never... There so, seems to be so little of the actual mm. analogue to prose fantasy in, in comics, as opposed to the sort of metafictional take on it. Read Unsounded. Yeah. Read work comics. And, and please, tell us what we've missed in the comics com- comments, because there's bound to be just so much like... A- Sandman doesn't count. I found all of this shit by accident, just by stumbling yeah. around on the internet, and I'm sure there's, and some of it blew my mind, and I was like, I couldn't yeah. believe I hadn't read it before. So there's hopefully tons more like that on the internet, just waiting for me to find it. So tell me what it is. 
Oh, sorry, I also forgot about the Hound. We were talking about mythical stuff, and that's got a new volume out. It does have a new volume out, yes. Um, I mean, we like the Hound, and we would like people to look at it. We do like the Hound. Um, of all of all of the Kirkland comics that I have, it's, it's by far the best. Uh, <laughs> that's a really strong recommendation. I've got, I think, three now. Um, yes? No? Three? Have you grouped them Maybe. all with your other Kirkland books? Do you have a little section going on? No. Okay. No. Because you could do. No, I've separated them out. On purpose? Because of the power if they're combined? Yeah, because there's yeah. three of them and three is a resonant number in, mm. in Celtic mythology, so... Yeah. But yeah, take a look at that. It's beautiful. Um, and I should stop interrupting you while you're clearly trying to wrap up the podcast. Fantasy comics are weird. Read more webcomics, read mm. more women. Read Weird World. I liked it more than he did. Well, with that, good night. And on. Fare thee well, gentle folk. Fuck's sake. Yes. I'm an idiot. That's okay. <laughs>